0: It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast with your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. Take a seat at the table and join the conversation as David, Kevin, and their guests discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology to song selection. Feel free to poke fun at David's hair, talk football, or bring up other topics that have nothing to do with worship. We want to add your voice to the conversation. Find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash WMCatalyst. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash WorshipMinistryCatalyst. Or just head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop a note in the comments section of any episode. And now, it's time for the show. Well, hey everybody. Hey. (laughs) That was very forceful. (laughs) Hey. Hey.
1: Where the uh, the moms group is meeting at church right now, so we're just trying to make as much noise as we can to disturb their meeting. Ah! <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, another great day for another great episode of Worship Ministry Catalyst, and uh, yeah, we got something specific we want to talk about. WMC. I don't know if any, uh, any news we need to get into?
2: WMC coming at you
1: wmc um like run dmc but wmc mm-hmm. yeah kind of like that. <laughs> oh There's man a lot of pop news going on we could talk about i mean bruce jenner er. becoming Caitlyn jenner oh gosh i didn't hear about I that okay well we won't talk about no. you no i don't want to shock you too much with that.
2: yeah wow that's different yeah um <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm going to the uh, the Ducks game, the uh, opening game against Eastern Washington. University. Are you really? Nice. Yeah, which is kind of a big deal because yeah. we stole their quarterback. So. Oh um, really? Yeah, yeah. We totally poached their quarterback. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Eastern Washington University is um, an FCS team, so they're like a Division two or whatever. Um, you know, they're they're.
1: Uh, oh wait, does that even count then for you guys?
2: So, no, it, I mean, it's a non conference game. You know, so it's
1: our opening game. Um, right, but is it FCS where if if you, it's a, it, even no matter what happens, win or lose, it just doesn't count towards your final schedule? No, it does. Okay.
2: It does, yeah, because the, the other year, last year, uh, Eastern Washington University played Oregon State in their opening game. Eastern Washington University beat Oregon State. Huge shock. Completely took Oregon State out of the uh, running for any sort of top twenty-five placement.
1: But Oregon State's played a lot of times where they're not they're not countable games. Is that is that FBS? No, I, I'm no. I mean, as far as I'm aware,
2: it's it's all. I mean, it's, it's part of your schedule. Your twelve games or whatever. So, um, you know, usually most most teams schedule one, uh, you know, kind of patsy game. Um, Alabama schedules two usually every year, which is frustrating <laughs> uh, because they have a, they have a, uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But, but the SC, the SEC uh, has less conference games. And so therefore they, they always have one extra non conference game that they usually always schedule some FCS team. Hmm. Um, you know, it's just a cakewalk game. It's yeah. very annoying, whatever. Anyway, so the point I'm making is Eastern Washington University. Is probably arguably the best FCS team that's out there. They won um they, they won the title last year, I believe, or maybe two years ago. Like I said, they beat Oregon State. Uh, and I, I think it was only the, the fifth or sixth time that an FCS team has beaten an FBS team. Um, you know, division two, division one. So they have a great they had they had a great quarterback. And, uh, and then Oregon, uh, he decided to sign with Oregon. I, I don't know what incentives Oregon gave him. Yeah.
1: How much, how much Nike apparel do you want? Yeah.
2: I don't know how that works. <laughs> I mean, obviously the plan the chance to play on a big stage like mm-hmm. Oregon, you know, is, is obviously very appealing for a young, oh, yeah. a young guy. So this game is very interesting because Eastern Washington university was going into that game, you know, thinking like, Hey man, this is, this is going to be, you know, a great big stage, big stage, big game Chance to
1: really show who we are.
2: Right. But then now they're quarterbacks <laughs> with Oregon. So there's a lot of animosity, not oh, yeah. to mention that we're only talking a couple hundred miles between yeah. Eastern Washington and and uh, the Oregon Stadium. So. You know there's gonna be a ton of Eastern Washington fans that are mad yeah. and upset that we stole their quarterback. So
1: if you've been waiting for a football game to have fist fights and, right. and, and <laughs> something more like and a I'm hockey be interaction. There,
2: man. <laughs> and I'm gonna be there and I, I hope it doesn't get violent. Yeah. <laughs> like I hope like like well, I said. hopefully
1: you're sitting around duck fans and not right. like in the middle of the Well, the, I bought
2: the tickets on t- uh, Stubhub and I mean so like I have no idea, you know, who's sitting <laughs> next to me. Like I'm in section sixteen and I hope that's good. you, well, know? you sh-
1: you should, what are, what is uh, Eastern Washington College, blue and red? Uh, or, no, it's it's red and white, I believe. Red and white. Yeah. Well, you should just wear like red underneath just in case just in you're case. sitting. <laughs> <laughs> and if things, go, f-
2: if things get really violent, I can just take off yeah. my duck shirt and just like, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> anyway, so going to the opening game uh, should be really interesting because there's a lot of complex uh, layers to mm-hmm. the game most of which revolve around the quarterback situation.
1: Did you know that hardly anyone cared about college football until in the I don't know when it was 60s 70s that they they started talking about these kinds of stories and filling in a lot of the backstory behind the game. So it wasn't just the game anymore but like the they rivalry. started talking about players, you know, coming from from nowhere to become the stars of the teams and the rivalries and right. the history and stuff like that. Boom. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone now it's become this huge, obviously huge. industry, but um, yeah, it's all about the story behind the, behind the game that makes people interested and excited. About It'll be an interesting
2: on. game. And obviously, you know, the, the reality is Oregon is likely going to win. You know, I, I mean, usually these first games, these passive games are, you know, they're blowouts, but uh, regardless of the the score, I think the dynamics of Oregon having a new quarterback and having Eastern Washington's quarterback, mm. you know, all that stuff's going to be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, but enough of that. Yeah.
1: But football, college football season is like ninety days away now. Woo! So come on. Yeah, I'm getting excited. There I'm ready. Go. I'm ready. I know because your Buckeyes yeah.
2: won, man. They beat. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. And yeah. You know, here's the sad thing, like legitimately that was probably Oregon's best shot of ever winning a national title. Whereas the Buckeyes, I mean, you you guys got what? Two of the quarterbacks coming back. Um, we have three, all three of them are coming back.
1: Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. And, uh, what's his name? The the guy that played in the last three games. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one, the guy, the guy that won the (laughs) whole thing,
2: (laughs) Daniels or what was his name?
1: No. Um,
2: Third string quarterback wins the national yeah. title. I mean that is like every but see I, I S- still
1: I'm still not convinced he's a great quarterback. I'm convinced he had a he had a great team playing around him. And he's got a great
2: coach, and man. A great coach. Oh man. my goodness.
1: And that and that's what made him look so good. Like if, if if the Buckeyes were mediocre and he's in there, there's no way that he comes in. No, out I, like I hear you, but you game. know
2: what? The the big the biggest thing in that game was to me the coaching. Um, you know, I mean like nothing against Oregon. I mean, great team, great quarterback, and nothing against their coach either. But you know, Mark Helfrich, he's a second-year coach, mm-hmm. um, on a really big stage. I mean, how many, how many years, uh, how many years has Irvin Meyer's been, uh, coaching? Oh, it's it's
1: fifteen, twenty years. Something
2: and he's like been the national titles with Florida, mm-hmm. right? Florida um, State, Florida State, yeah. No, not
1: Florida State, Florida, Florida, and, right? Um, Utah, and uh. Bowling Green. And-
2: anyway, point being, yeah that that was a total coaching thing, and third string quarterback comes in, and uh, Urban Myers knew how to how to get the best out of him.
1: Well, the thing, the thing that, and I know we're talking football again, but yeah, oh my get, it, talk we're like about ten football. minutes into the episode, yeah. <laughs> and we're still <laughs> talking football. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I, and I think we talked about this before, but um, defensively, Ohio State, like because your your thing is the option, right? I mean if you know if Mariota was you know he just decides yeah. based on what's happening well the whole game the uh Ohio State's defense had somebody just shooting yeah right at Mariota the whole time Yeah, just rushing him and and like and easily the problem could have been solved if they make the adjustment on the offensive line to bring another blocker down to catch this guy mm-hmm. but the whole game long this was happening I thought no wonder they can't it's like all you have to do is bring down a tight end or something, and, and, so you can, lock it. and you'll can, and actually be able to run some plays. But
2: Yeah, it was a tough game. Yeah. Anyway, point, So that was coaching. Like no, I saying. know, I know. And, and you know what? Like I said, that's Oregon legitimately probably their best chance in a long time in the foreseeable future, whereas the Buckeyes, I mean, they might win it next year. You that's, know what I mean? Or this possible, year, whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, wow. Anyway. Hey, but there's always, you know, People say Chip Kelly doesn't want to be in the pros, and you know maybe he'll come back. Maybe to he'll come back <laughs> after.
2: <laughs> See, I think if Chip Kelly was coaching that game against nothing against Mark Helfrich, but I think I think there would have been a better shot. I think Chip Kelly's a great coach.
1: Maybe, but he he lost against Jim Tressel and yeah Auburn. Yeah, no, the Buckeyes' old coach and the Rose Bowl before. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I thought you were talking about the and Auburn. Most people don't think Jim Tressel is a very uh, outstanding coach.
2: I thought you were talking about the Auburn game. No. Yeah. Man, Oregon, I'm telling you, they've been on the big stage a number of times and just keep losing, you know. Yeah. They did win the Rose Bowl, uh, what was it, two years ago mm-hmm. against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. Yep. But lost the Rose Bowl against the Bucks. Lost the National Championship against the Bucks. And of course, lost the national championship against Auburn, uh, four years ago, mm-hmm. whatever that was. So, when,
1: and they played LSU in some big BCS. It game was
2: it was the opening game at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, um, where they where they played LSU and lost. Um, it wasn't
1: in a they didn't play them in a bowl game the year. It before.
2: was no, it wasn't a bowl game. Um, no, it was it was the opening game, and that was the one where DeAnthony Thomas fumbled it twice, and once on a kickoff return, and once somewhere else, and. Uh, that kind of lost the game, but the Anthony Thomas was a good player is he plays for the Kansas city chiefs now, whatever. Hey, so, uh, football's coming and we're excited. So So we got to talk worship, worship stuff. (laughs) No, what, what I wanted to talk about real quickly, um, now that we've spent, uh, almost 13 (laughs) minutes, um, on this. So, so our church is going through this huge change and transition. Um, just forced, forced transition. Basically. Yeah. Just to give you a little backstory. So we meet in a multi-purpose room, a gym. It's, it's like this uh, sanctuary slash gym. Sanctinasium. Uh Or or sanctuary Sanctuasium. <laughs> uh, yeah, gymatorium. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was constructed back in the <laughs> 80s. And it was a very cheap, simple construction. They constructed it as like a pole barn.
1: It was all volunteers.
2: Uh, volunteer labor, craftsmen mm. for Christ, you know. Um, uh, you know, It was done on a shoestring budget. And they were trying to get a building, a facility. And so a pole barn, for those of you who don't know, is basically, think of like a fence where you got fence posts and then you got two by fours um, between the fence posts. So like the walls aren't necessarily, you know, structurally being held up the walls are being held up by the posts that are driven into the ground so there's whatever like 30 some odd posts on the interior of the building and like 40 some odd posts on the exterior of the building and um we've been looking for a while at at doing some expanding and building and just trying to trying to see what the next season the next phase for laurelwood is And, you know, we've been leaning pretty heavily towards, you know, building uh, an actual dedicated sanctuary, which I was just so excited about. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, well, you know, we need to before we do anything, we got to test our current building to see how much life we have. Because a pole barn realistically only gets about 40 years of life. And we're about 35 years in. So they started doing testing on the post, uh, basically just to measure how um, how healthy the posts are. Uh, You you drill a little hole into the post, and you measure the resistance. Um, The more resistance, the better, because the stronger the post is. The less resistance, bad, because that means it's dry rot, and it's, it's not good. So they tested, like, six or seven on the exterior, and every single one of them, except for one, like, the drill just went straight in like a hot knife and butter, like, no resistance, totally dry rot all the way through. It's like, ooh, that's not good. Well, we assumed, okay, maybe it's just because their exterior posts, all the weather, all the whatever. And so, so then it's like, okay, well, you know, that's fixable, you know, like $100,000, $200,000. We can probably fix all those exterior posts because they're on the outside. They're very easy to get to, no big deal, Um they're like, you know, we'll check the interior post just to be sure. Um, but those ones are probably fine because they're on the inside. They've never had any weather. They've never had any, you know, climate stuff. So so we started we start digging holes in the concrete. You have to actually rip the carpet up, dig a hole in the concrete because they're interior posts. Mm-hmm. And so we started ripping up holes in the concrete and we started testing a few of them. And the first one we test, no mm-hmm. resistance. Second one we test, no resistance. So now we're like we better test more of these. So we started digging up more holes, testing more every single one of the interior posts, no resistance. So now it's like, oh my goodness, we are in a structurally unsafe building and all it takes is a hurricane or an earthquake um or or even like in the winter like a heavy a heavy snow load on the roof. And um the entire building is resting on these posts that are dry rotted and if it starts to shift Literally, the entire building collapse.
1: Well, not, not necessarily. Okay, not because I actually learned I learned a lot about this kind of wood stuff from my uncle who built pole buildings, and um, you know, what happens is, you put uh, wood has to breathe out the ends of the of the of the wood. So, like the part where you cut off the wood, that the wood needs to breathe out there. And, you know, like this last winter, we had a lot of, I don't know if you noticed it, but a lot of fences around town got blown down right? because they rotted off at the ground. Well, the reason they rot off at the ground is because the fence company sinks the whole bottom end of the post into concrete, and so it can't breathe out the end. So what you're supposed to do when you're putting a post in the ground is leave the end exposed in the dirt so it can still breathe in and out and then put concrete up around the top of that, and then it won't rot out. So what Mm. what typically happens then is it rots right above the concrete because that's where it's forced to try to be able to make room for the wood to breathe because it's still breathing the whole, every time, as long as you have wood, it's breathing. And so a lot of, but a lot of pole buildings become a problem because because they sink the whole bottom of the post into concrete. And so they rot off at the ground. The rest of the post is fine, Mm. but at the ground it's rotten. And so you still have to replace the whole post right yeah.
2: but but regardless mm-hmm. I mean I mean you understand it's a structural mm-hmm. structurally unsound and uh, I mean it it is potentially dangerous you know in the event of a catastrophic unplanned thing like an earthquake or mm-hmm. whatever and on top of that you know there is all these issues up in the attic when the structural engineer came through they they started I going remember the attic. they started going <laughs> up in the attic and like literally the trusses that hold the building together uh, like people um, you, like one truss is completely cut in half so that they could put a staircase, you know, into the attic, and it's like we need the other half of that truss
1: because you know we used to have to go up that staircase to get to the right, slide the, booth. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean,
2: anyway, the, the, sorry, this is kind of a, becoming a long story, but the the point I'm making is, uh, as a leadership, as pastors and elders, like we decided, you know, now that we know what what is up with our building like it is only is it's the wise thing and also the ethical thing to move out of that building um even though none of us anticipate anything happening i mean we've been in that building for however many years um never had a problem but it is that whole thing of like you know when you know something like you got to act on it and we were ignorant before to it but now we know that there's issues and it it just it just wouldn't be wise and it wouldn't be ethical and it wouldn't be smart to continue meeting in that building and just hope nothing happens in the off chance something did happen, obviously huge liability, mm-hmm. but also, you know, there's a trust factor like, Hey, the leadership knew that this building was structurally unsafe and we kept meeting in here. So we made the decision like literally the week after the testing took place, uh, testing took place on Friday. We had church, uh, that, that next you know, weekend, Sunday, we announced, hey, guys, we need to have a meeting after church next Sunday. Um So we met one more week. And, and after church that Sunday, we basically told everyone what we discovered with all the testing and all the results. And, and that's what it was. Testing was on Friday. Results were on Monday. So it was literally like the, you know, that Sunday we got the results was our last Sunday there. And uh so we basically just said, we have to move. We have mm-hmm. to get out of here. Um, we we can't keep having church in here. So, fortunately, fortunately, we have this gigantic fellowship hall mm-hmm. that we built like seven years ago, and literally almost the same size of our gymnasium. A little smaller, not um, you know, not quite as wide, but we we started talking once I started kind of getting you know uh this this whole thing figured out i'm like okay well i think we can have church in the fellowship hall um it'll be a little tight it'll be a little cozy so anyway 2 weeks ago we had our first service in the fellowship hall last sunday we had our second one and it's been really good but here's the tricky part change mm-hmm. and this is this is what this is what i'm talking about you know and this is what the whole episode is supposed to be about <laughs> um <laughs> it took 21 minutes to get there but Change is really hard for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, cha- change is kind of hard for others, and then there's some, you know there's some people who are like they love change. I like change, and so I like w- new things. What, what I, who I am? yeah, what I've discovered in this whole process is how people deal with change. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'm kind of in the middle. You know, like it it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to you know we had to get a whole new sound system. We had to get a whole new video system. We had to kind of create this makeshift stage. We had to get new lights. And I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be a ton of work, you know. Mm. Um, but but we did it, and it's working good. And now that we're in it, I'm like, okay, you, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to start making other changes like getting a digital board mm-hmm. or w- whatever the case is. Um, but but we have people in our church, man. We have people in our church that are, like, freaking out, you know. Really? Um not, I mean, not not like mad or whatever. Just like it's really difficult for them, mm.
1: um, you know. Well, you guys have been having church in that for thirty yeah plus years. That's well, it wasn't right away, right?
2: I yeah, I guess not, because they they met in that chapel building yeah. for a while. But I mean, it was soon after, mm-hmm. I think. But here's the deal. I mean, like even so twenty plus years, even even seating, you know, mm-hmm. like. Like, well, I used to always sit right here in the other building. <laughs> yeah. Where do I sit now? Yeah. You know, um, like the uh, um, the words, you know, we, we had to put this whole new video system in to kind of. Um, but the ceiling is so much lower in the fellowship hall that it's hard to see the words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the sanctuary gym, it was like, you know, way up high, really easy to see, you know, um, didn't matter if you were sitting or standing here like you almost have to be standing and even still the band on stage is kind of blocking the words so it's like people are having a hard time with change um but then there's some people just love it they're like oh my goodness this is so great this is so fun like i love being in here in this room and we're all close together and everyone's real tight Mm -hmm. and 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 it's hot and it's warm and it just feels great because I'm standing right next to the person <laughs> next to me and I can hear him singing. And so, you know, it, it it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, people
1: deal differently with change. And um, one of the things that I thought was nice about it when I saw the pictures you post, I was like, wow, there's so much natural light in that room. Right. Because, you know, there's All the no light in the other room. No. It's like, wow, it feels it feels just warmer to be in that room. Yeah,
2: which is funny. We actually we put blinds on all those windows because there was so much light mm-hmm. that it, it was like washing out the screen right. and everything else, you know? Um, so we ended up putting blinds on the windows. But even with the blinds, there's a natural, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of light comes through. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it. one of the things that, um, like, I think it was the first Sunday, uh, a guy came up to me who was in charge of our prayer room. And I won't mention his name because you know him, um, but but he you know he was like kind of in panic mode, you know, like what where do we put the prayer sheets? We we have these prayer sheets that in the old building we're in a certain place, you mm-hmm. know, and obviously we can't go in the old building now. We've kind of sealed off that building; no one goes in, and um, and so he's like panicking, like where am I supposed to put the prayer sheets? I'm like, oh, you know what? I just stuck them in that cabinet there. He's like, well, that's not gonna work. People won't know where to go. I'm like, ah, they'll figure it out, you know. And and he's getting like he's starting to get really animated and agitated, and yeah, I I was talking to another guy afterwards. I'm like, man, you know, I can't believe how he was freaking out. And uh, the the uh, this gentleman I was talking to, very wise, very wise man, said, "Don't interpret anxiety as aggression." I was like, that's really good, because you know the the guy was really anxious about the change and the prayer sheets and where we're going to put them and it's not going to work and and it's not it's not something I'm I'm familiar with and like I was receiving that. I was like dude this guy is like getting all mad at me like he's totally flipping out on me and getting all upset but no he's not being aggressive he's not getting upset he's just really anxious don't mm-hmm. interpret anxiety as aggression and that's just some way people deal with change mm-hmm. Some people have major anxiety over change and it kind of comes out in what could be aggressive, Mm -hmm. but it's anxiety. Yeah.
1: yeah, And you know, there's, I mean, this is, this is church. I mean, this is what the church has basically been going through for the last 50 or 60 years is change and, yeah, and struggling with a, with a world that is changing at a pace that we can't keep up with. And how do we, you know how do we keep up with that and yeah there's there's some books out there one that comes to mind um is leading change without losing it i think uh Carrie newhoff c a r e y uh, i'm not going to spell this right but i th- i think it's n i e u h o f f wow so but if you look him up he's real popular on online you'll find him if you and, uh, that's close enough it'll get you to his page <laughs> <laughs> it'll get you to the right place but uh yeah so you know he's got a great book and a podcast about about leadership and all that stuff church leadership that that'll help you with all of that uh, if you're listening and, and kind of wondering, how do we deal with change? And, um, you know, I think I think where a lot of churches uh, make mistakes is that um, they make changes based on what they see other churches doing and they're wanting to keep up with that church and they think this is what's happening and then they bring a, bring a change to their church. And it's not the right fit. And so, you know, people are reacting negatively because it's not the right change for that church, you know? And I think, um, you know, if you're trying, you're, you know, just like every human body is built different, every church body is built different. And so, you know, my body is built much different than your body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both of our bodies are built much different than, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota's body. Right. And, uh Mariota, he can, you know, he can make a change when he's running on on a dime. You know, he can stop and change directions. If we do that, we're gonna like be breaking knees and stuff. My knees gonna pop out. There goes my ACL. (laughs) Because our body isn't built differently. We haven't trained and you know, we're not in that kind of that kind of shape or whatever it is, you know, we're just we're all built differently. And so when you take, you know, a Marcus Mariota church that's got you know got the ability and has been changing and changing and changing it's just in their DNA who they are, and then you take the idea out of that church and try to bring it to your church that's not uh, Marcus Mariota built, mm-hmm. then you start breaking things because that's just not who you are, and so you know I think as churches we have to look at these things and say okay so, um so some some changes we need to make some changes are forced upon us how are we going to lead our people through the change. Yeah. And, um, and even if we don't have an option, if we don't have a choice and we have to do it, we still have the responsibility to lead them through it as best we can. And, uh, yeah, that's a great statement. You don't, don't interpret anxiety as aggression. Um, people, I, I think some of the best leaders are ones that can, that can handle aggression without being aggressive Mm. and be able to respond and, and kind, caring, uh, loving ways, yeah. and um, I, I've been a part of a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of church change over the years in places that didn't want to change, right? And had people yelling at me about similar issues, and um, you know, just as much as I as I can, I stay calm, and you know, sometimes I need to go blow up at somebody in a private space that can handle it, you know, that's a safe person that you can do that afterwards. But you know, you you know, our responsibility is to lead them, not to. Not to uh, tear into them, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I don't know, I think we're all we're all probably going through this in some some way, shape, or form, because even if it's not a massive change, like you're talking about, the world around us is changing really fast, and there's a lot of changes being forced on the church totally. that we're not ready for, yeah, and we have to know how to respond, so yeah good stuff, yeah. Well, that's all the time we have um, for this episode, 156. If you it's want, funny,
2: we, we were going to try yeah. to make this a short episode, yeah, and, and then we we're... and then we spent 10 minutes talking <laughs> about football. <laughs> Man. But uh,
1: you can find us online, www.worstmysterycalist.com. Make sure to be tuning in to the blog and the uh, contributing authors writing great content there. You really want to, really want to hear that, uh, read that, and then make sure you're checking back in the near future. We're going to have Dave back on from Garden City Project, and we're going to talk, dig more into that idea on how we can uh, contribute to that. Um, so, make sure you're heading over to worshipministrycatalyst.com to stay on top of all that stuff. Twitter.com slash WM Catalyst, uh, Facebook.com slash worshipministrycatalyst. Send an email to David at worshipministrycatalyst.com or Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And leave a voicemail 360 818 4339. Thanks so much for listening. We'll back again soon. Bye bye.
0: Twitter.com slash WM Catalyst. Facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst.